Hello, this is Melina Williams. You're listening to the Masocast. It is, of course, 18 and over. So get your lube out and get ready to party. Hello. Another episode of the Masocast. Uh... So as you may know, I've been looking into a whole bunch of different ways to help monetize the podcast. And uh, a lot of people have been suggesting, uh, why why don't you try Patreon? Patreon is, if you're not familiar, is a website where people can say, I will donate 50 cents per episode or $5 per episode. For every bit of content you release, you get X amount per person. And so it's a nice way to encourage both you know, releasing new content and also people supporting it. And it also allows people to say, look, I'm just going to give you 50 cents, which is great because if enough people do it, then you can really help sustain it. And I was this close, this close to doing it. And then uh, Patreon got hacked this last week. So now on the flip side of that, usually after something gets hacked, about a month or two later, that's usually one of the safest times to join because they've been, you know, they've battened down the hatches. Um, hired some more experts. So, you know, I'm not abandoning the Patreon idea, but uh, definitely going to make sure they've got all I's dotted and T's crossed. But yeah, if you have uh, any ideas, feel free to shoot me an email, massycast at gmail.com. So, this episode, uh, Casey Calvert. She's uh, an adult film actress. She is uh, wears a lot of other hats as well. I'll let you uh, hear all about it here. Conversation with Casey Calvert. So first, so it's uh, it's uh, Casey Calvert, or do you pronounce yeah. it Calvert? I didn't know if it was a Stephen Colbert thing. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, people people say it. There was an award show once where they they pronounced it Calvert. And you consider yourself a porn star, an adult t- entertainment uh, aficionado. What do you what do you consider yourself? Um. I like adult performer, but you know, porn porn star works. But I think performer. I mean, just saying that. Also, you know, it it's more than because based on from what everything I've heard about you and my Google googling about you is that yeah. you you take a lot of pride in your work too. Yeah, I, for sure. And it's uh, and dude, let's let's start from the very beginning. Um, okay. That. I gathered your bio is very similar to a lot of people in kink in that there were some sort of kink proclivities before they even knew what it was. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's me. That's me. 100%. So how did that manifest itself? Um, you know, it, it really didn't, you know, a lot of my friends in the community have stories about like, we used to play cowboys and Indians and I love to get tied up or do the tying and, <laughs> you know, stories like that. Like, I don't have a story like that. It was something that somehow I had determined that this is wrong and this is, this is different and this is wrong and this is not okay. So I just like tried to hide it as best as I possibly, possibly, possibly could. You had the, uh, so did you experience the, Okay, I, I, for some reason, I don't know why, I have to tie myself up, but I don't know why. But I also know that if I do this, I need to make sure no one else understands or, or no one else <laughs> finds out. I had the spanking version because when I – I didn't really know I was into bondage until later. My my kink as a kid was all about spanking. And so it was like, let me spank myself with this hairbrush 
but it doesn't feel like anything. Right. But I can't, I can't do it harder because that makes noise. So, so uh, were, were you spanked as a kid? I mean, were you spanked as well or? Nope. Nope. I was not. So I'm very interested because I, I, spanking is something my wife and I enjoy. And I was spanked as a kid, but I don't, mm-hmm. I, I never, I didn't, you know, like it by any means, you know, maybe because of, at the time it was a punishment and so my mind right. associated with it. And in fact, I never, I never really even daydreamed about being spanked or anything. It was always being, you know, I, you know, captured by women. That was my thing or whatever, you know, but yeah. same thing with the Cowboys and Indians thing. Right? That was the same uh, where I, tr- I tried to get captured. Oh no, you caught me. I was wearing orange in the right. middle of, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but the spanking never, I, I didn't eroticize it until I met someone who eroticized it. And that's when mm-hmm. it, you know, clicked for me. But for you, you like, you had the thoughts, but you didn't act them out. Yeah, I had the thoughts and, you know, my friends would get spanked and they would tell me about their stories. Like I would always be like, Oh, tell me more. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> and I would develop all of these fantasies about it, but it, it was never something I experienced until I was an adult. So how did that, when did you make the connection or maybe when did you realize, Oh, this is a thing. This is something that, that a lot of people go through or experience or have these desires for. It's not just me. Did that ever, was there a point that clicked to you or did it, it was just natural? you kind of knew that this is something that people experience and desire. Oh no, no, no. The opposite of just knowing. Um, when I was 12, that was the first time I ever encountered porn. A friend of mine came over to my house and was like, have you ever seen porn? And I was like, oh, yeah, I watch it all the time, having no idea what porn was. So she showed me, like, we watched maybe like one minute of a gay porn scene. And I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder what else is on the Internet. So I ended up finding spanking videos and, you know, finding spanking models who were talking about how this is something erotic for them and this is something they've always wanted and it turns them on. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm not the only one. But that that went away fairly quickly because my parents caught me watching porn and that didn't go very well. So they caught you and you were just like, humana, humana, humana. And that was the end of your internet access or what? No, I... I was so embarrassed, not exaggerating the day that my parents found out I hid under my bed and I did not come out. Like I was that embarrassed. Like I couldn't, I couldn't face the world because I was so embarrassed about this thing. Like I couldn't say the word spanking out loud. Like just saying the word made me feel too many different feelings that I couldn't do it. Right. Well, a lot of people, when they experience such a deep shame like that early on, uh, they find it very difficult to later in life when they're an adult, they find it very difficult to express it because they still have that shame connected to it. But it sounds like that wasn't a problem mm-hmm. for you. Um, it was at first. Um, I started exploring. I was super, super tentative and very, very shy. But as I explored more and got on FetLife and started going to munches and that sort of thing and started realizing, like, this is a thing. This is a totally okay thing. I, it, took, it took, like, eight months of being in this scene before I really felt comfortable even saying, like, oh, yeah, I like spanking. And so your, your, your FetLife profile had, you know, interests that were totally vanilla listed until you could come out and say it? Or were you pretty much 
comfortable in the virtual world expressing it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was comfortable in the virtual world, but actually speaking the words. Yeah, that, that took a while. Yeah, but the fact that you had fet life and you could explore in that situation. I mean, how do you not? I mean, were you in a fairly populated populated area? You're, in, you're you grew up in Florida. Yeah, I grew up in Gainesville, Florida. So most of my, I mean, there's there's some in Gainesville, but I never really found anybody who really had similar interests to me in Gainesville. I spent a lot of time in the Orlando community. So you you were able to explore early on, or were, were you just like in the community? You didn't do anything physically, or how did that? Because if it were me, I'd be like kid in the candy store, finally I can do this, let's go, you know, on my 18th birthday, I'd be there, you know. <laughs> I, so I, because my parents caught me watching porn and because I had that shame, as part of that, my parents had told me that porn was illegal, that it was something like prostitution, it happens, watching it is illegal, making it is illegal, everything about it is illegal, but it still happens, of course. So I was under the impression that porn was illegal and I didn't want to break the law. Right. So I just, I didn't go on the internet. Like as soon as like I, I, um, I was 18 when I kissed a boy for the first time. I hated it. I hated the kissing. I got mono. So that was oh, fun. Sure. Well, I can only and go I, up from there, right? <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't do anything, any dating, any, anything until I took a class at school, my, the, the fall of my sophomore year, it was 2010, the fall of 2010, I took a first amendment law class kind of on accident. I wasn't supposed to take that class. The college switched me from a different class. It was entirely on accident. And we learned about porn the entire semester. It's a hell of a class, yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I learned, I learned that porn's not illegal. And so I started going online and looking at porn again. I actually had started exploring with someone who I met from just watching his videos on a tube site. So how, what, what, what does that mean, exploring with him? You met him in person or you... you... I did. I, I was really stupid. In in hindsight, I could be dead right now. Sure. He he posts free spanking videos up online, and they all end with like, "Hey, ladies, if you want a taste of what I can do, send me an email." So I did. I met him at a truck stop after school one day, like not knowing anything. Like I didn't check reference it. Like I knew nothing. Like I was stupid. This sounds like the plot of a uh, of one of those Lifetime movies. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you met at a truck stop. If you could find a more dangerous place, you would have. Yep. Well, the the kicker is that he's a truck driver and we played in his truck. Oh. Like I went I went into his truck. Okay. Like we didn't just we didn't just meet at a truck stop. No, I I fully admit like I fully copped to the fact that like I was I was dumb. I didn't know any better. I think everyone like, has stories <laughs> like that though. I I've got plenty of stupid stories, but and I, when I was 30, I did stupid stuff because because you're driven by this desire uh, yeah. that's so unique and you think there's only a few people who can deliver on this, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, But anyway, he, I met him. He was amazing. 
he totally took care of me. He totally understood everything that I said for the first time in my life. I had an interaction with this person, a sexual interaction with a person, and it didn't feel uncomfortable. Wow. And so I started seeing him whenever he would come through town. I started seeing him. And eventually he got me on FetLife. And that's when I, like, that's when the whole world opened. And that's when I thought, hmm, maybe I want to get tied up. And maybe I want to try these other things besides just spanking. That's, that's amazing. That's like the opposite of what you would expect to have happened from that story. Yeah, you, you I know? Know. it's, I'm very, very lucky. <laughs> so, I mean, that's actually a, because that's one thing that, uh, you know, a lot of people in the community here in New York, and I think a lot of people in the community just on FetLife and just, you know, in general, um, uh, go out of their way about safety and mm -hmm. and how this is how you meet someone online. This is how you, you know, you have a safe call and you do all these things. You establish rule. You meet them in a non-sexual, you know, um, yeah. again, again, I've done and I know plenty of people who've done just stupid stuff because they're dr driven by this. And it's such a relief to hear that you, you know, it turned out OK for you. Um, yeah, I know. I was very, very lucky. I did have a safe call, but I didn't know that I had established a safe call. I had just, I had told one friend who was really supportive. That's and true. so I told him where I was going and what time and, and that kind of thing. But I didn't, I didn't do it as like, Hey, in case I'm getting murdered, keep <laughs> an eye out. Like it was just like, I had just told him because I was so excited that I needed to tell someone. And he was the only one available for me to tell. As a result, do you kink on truck drivers now? <laughs> no. Do you have a thing for them? Oh, he's driving a <laughs> Peterbilt and a... Oh. No, but that is a that is a totally fair question. All right. Well, you know. <laughs> but no, no, I didn't. I didn't imprint on that. So what was the? So here you are. You're 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 playing in your personal life. What, mm -hmm. what, uh, you know, you, I, I'm assuming you met a lot of people on FetLife. How did, did you find that to be a pretty much positive for the most part? Or how did you go about, how, how did you navigate yes. from there? Yes and no. I, you know, at this point in time, so I've been playing for like a month. I'm still very, very shy and very, very self-conscious. I have some pictures of my butt up on the internet, but... Don't when I, yes, <laughs> when I, when I went to go meet this guy, I really, truly 100% thought that I was going to go and get spanked and it was going to be out of my system and I would be vanilla. Right. I didn't know the word vanilla then, but that's, that's really what I thought was that I would do it. I would get it out of my system. Then I could have a normal boyfriend and be normal. So I was super, super paranoid about like my name and my face and like putting my tattoo on the internet, even though it's super tiny. And like, I was super, 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 super cautious because I didn't trust anybody. So I was so, so worried about being outed. That's a, I mean, that's a good, that's a good concern, obviously. But I ended up meeting Lou Rubens. He was living in Orlando at the time. And I wrote to him on Fat Life and said, I think I'd like to get tied up. I So I met him. I was much better. I met him at a Starbucks. It was a little bit safe for meeting him. <laughs> yeah. Um, Plus, he's a known name, right? I mean, he's well he known. Is. It's like, you know. 
Yeah, he is. And so I, I met him. He, we went back to the house where he was staying with Master Cecil, who owns the dungeon in Orlando. And so we played in Cecil's living room. Just, you know, we did a hog tie with a ball gag. And then we did a really simple suspension. And then we did like a face down ass up. And he whipped me with a bull whip a little bit. And I was like, oh, I, I like this. I like this <laughs> rope thing. And so because I met Cecil then, I started going to the dungeon in Orlando and meeting all of those people. And through Lou is how me being a model started. Like that was Lou's idea. It's interesting because I had a, an almost similar experience in which I was on a popular uh, when I was single, I was on a popular uh, kink site. It was, it was FetLife and also Caller Me. I was on these. And I, I, mm-hmm. I emailed. It was almost exactly the same story except one small difference. I found a very, very popular in the scene female dominant. And I, mm-hmm. I, I emailed her and I said, I'd like to be tied up. And she replied, take a number, asshole. <laughs> you and everyone yeah. else. Yeah, I think that would be the difference between – males and females <laughs> yes could be so and so, and the way the way america treats men who want to get tied up versus women who want to get tied up i feel like we could have a whole three-hour discussion about that difference right there and it's not just guys too the uh, dominant women there are difficulties being a dominant woman as well right oh There's yeah, yeah without too, a doubt 100 so. right. it's i think it's i think it's a very american thing i think that if you go over to europe it's kind of reversed it's almost required if you're in europe it's like that's how yeah. that's how open it is so yeah you, so you 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 become a model how do you, you do the fetish modeling someone says hey you look good in rope do you want to do it for for money is that how that worked or well, so ever since I had seen that porn when I was 12, there was always this idea in the back of my mind that the, the way I'm going to get to do all these things that I want to do is by being a model. That's how I can play with the best people is by being a model. I always thought that I was too short, that I wasn't pretty enough. I really, really had no self-confidence. I thought I was the smart girl and that I wasn't pretty, that I wasn't even like cute and I was totally okay with that. I just, I, I never thought that I could be a model. And so when Lou said, you know, you should really think about being a fetish model, I looked at him and just said, you're insane. I'm, I'm, I can't. I, what are you talking about? And he was like, no, no, you don't understand. You don't have to be five foot ten to be a fetish model. You know, you, you don't understand. You don't get it. You're perfect. Right, right. So he set up like a glamour shoot for me with my clothes on. I was like, okay, I'll do this. My clothes are on. No one can get mad at me. This can't hurt me at all. At this point, I'm living with my parents still, but I haven't told them anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, my clothes are on. Who can get mad? So we did that. I set up a Model Mayhem profile. I started using FetLife. And people started offering me money. And Lou, Lou was guiding me. Lou was helping me, you know, to this day, if someone wants to work with me and I haven't heard of them and it's a just fetish thing, I text Lou and I say, Hey, who's this person? Do we know this person? Right. That's a great, so I vet, I vet everybody. Lou teaches me about communicating. Lou teaches me about being safe in bondage and about where my nerves are and the things that my body needs and, you know, teaches me everything I need to know. 
and people start hiring me and I, you know, I start locally in Florida and then I start traveling and the more I do it, the more I start to build self-confidence and, you know, start to really, really enjoy it. And then at one point someone says, Hey, do you want to do video? I was doing video all along. It was photos and video. There was just no, I wasn't, I would do naked. I got to the point where I would do solos. So like I would put toys in my pussy and my butt, but I wouldn't do any fluid exchange. So Hmm. I wouldn't, you know, no kissing, no, no hand jobs, no foot jobs, like nothing with anybody else's genitals. At this point, did your family know at this point? That's where I drew the line. Um, my family found out I was definitely still in college. So I started, I started modeling my junior year of college and I really did it essentially full time. My senior year of college, I was gone pretty much every weekend, my senior year of college. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't for modeling, it was for rock climbing, which was the other thing I was doing. I don't know how I managed to do everything I did while I was in school. It's kind of crazy looking back, but my parents, so my parents found out sometime during senior year. And what was their reaction? Um, they, so they found out by reading my journal, the last thing I had written in my journal was the night I had come home from meeting the guy at the truck stop for the first time. Oh, wow. So my mom had read that. And had been, you know, was mortified and, you know, how could you go meet a stranger and do all these unsafe things and was really, really worried. But instead of hiding under the bed, I talked to them and I had enough confidence to explain to them what I'm doing and that I really enjoy it. Frankly, the modeling is totally okay with them. My mom has a hard time with the submission and the masochism. Like that's that's much much harder for my mom to accept than just modeling because she's worried about your safety or is it uh... it's a feminist thing she's very she's very old school feminist you know how would why, why would you want to be submissive to a man you know you you want them to hurt you like she just that that she doesn't understand have you and i'm sure i mean again if you're not comfortable talking about i, I totally understand because it's no, honestly I a lot actually, of personal stuff i like i actually like talking about my parents because they're amazing well so this is one thing actually that a lot of people i mean in in the feminism and the kink feminism communities um obviously there is a lot of it, it's really difficult for someone who doesn't understand the drive of the kink drive to to understand where that comes from, right? And um, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know how you associate it with anything else. I don't know. I don't. There's there's no analogy really yeah. you can use, right? Um, it's almost like you say, look, there's. Imagine if you only had one specific kind of air you could breathe <laughs> to be happy, you know? Um, right. But obviously, the argument. I mean, isn't the argument that well, a feminist would. Do what what she wants, and if what she wants is this, the fact that you are you are standing up and taking it, you are you know you're not conforming to the rest of the world. You're conforming to what you need. Isn't that the ultimate feminism? That's what I think. That's what I believe. But you know, my it's it's just a hard thing. I think that my mom. 
at least at the time, it was really hard for her to see, like, you have bruises. Someone hurt you. Right. That's not okay. Someone hurt you. I, I totally, I can totally see where they're coming from. I have this very weird thing in my brain that if I, we're at a play party or something, uh, I cannot watch a woman getting beat up, you know, mm-hmm. being caned. It, 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 it is extremely difficult for me to watch. Uh, I'll take, you know, Saad, my wife, she can, you know, she can drive a Mack truck over my head. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I know that's fine. But it is extremely difficult for me to watch. Uh, and I don't know, and I totally know it's, you know, it is, you know, consensual in the space yeah. where uh, it's it's really difficult for me. So even I, when I'm, you know, I'm in, I have plenty of submissive female friends. I have, you know, I, I know exactly where they're coming from because I'm submissive myself. But there's just something about it that is really difficult for me to watch and even think about, right? And so, I mean, if 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 me, if it's hard for me, I can't imagine what it's like for someone you know, like you're in your mother's position. That's got to be extremely difficult. And the fact that she still mm-hmm. supports you is really a, a, a testament to your relationship. That's great. Oh, completely. She, we're, we're to the point now where if I go home and I happen to have bruises, like it's, it's totally okay. That's great. Yeah. It's amazing. So when you, uh, when you get into the scene, you're doing, uh, you're doing videos, uh, but at what point do you say, okay, I'm going to go from, uh, I'm going to go from, you know, the either solo or, you know, keeping your clothes on or something where there's no penetration. What makes you decide to go from that to, uh, I guess, hardcore or whatever you'd call it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the perfect way to say it. Like from fetish to adult. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I graduated from college. I had no idea what I wanted to do none you know i was like i could go to grad school i just like i I had no plan Mm -hmm. i just i had i had no plan for years like i had i had become really disillusioned to what i was majoring in just like i don't know what i want to do but i really liked modeling so i mean unlike most people you hadn't you had a you had an avenue to go down because you already experienced it yeah i really i really liked it but you know, unfortunately, fetish modeling doesn't really like you can't really support yourself fetish modeling like you can, but it's a lot of work and it's a lot of traveling yeah. and it's it's a lot of people canceling on you and it's a lot of, you know, things being up in the air. And I just figured, well, I'm already naked on the Internet. I might as well do it for real. Sure, sure. And what was that that first time you did it? Or did you did you decide to say, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do these types of things first, or I mean did you have to have a conversation with yourself to decide what was okay at first, or did you say hey I'm gonna use this to explore my fantasies even further? Uh, I wanted to do a gangbang for my first adult scene. My agent wouldn't let me <laughs> because it was <laughs> because it was just a, a little. T- it's you're not jumping. You're not putting your toe in the water first. You're jumping head first, and in the water's covered it's in it. ice. Or- it's a financial thing. If you wait a little bit, you can make more money when you do it for the first time. Oh, okay. Oh, so so you start out doing like girl girl or something, and then work your way to is so that's the yeah. It it used to really be like that. Like you do girl girl for a couple of years, and then you do boy girl for a couple of years. Then maybe you start doing anal, or maybe you start doing group scenes. But 
these days it's not really like that. Like being a girl, girl only performer is sort of like being a fetish model. Cause it's so there's, niche. There's there's, yeah, there's not a lot of work. That's surprising. Cause that's like, I mean, th- that was the, I, I, I thought that was one of the biggest, you know, next to boy, girl, I thought girl, girl was, you know, no, no, not anymore. Not anymore. A lot of the girl, girl only models are also fetish models. So they do fetish and girl, girl, and they travel and they do that whole thing. Right. Wow. I, but, I no, no idea. Yeah. Yeah. How, how is it so possible? Now, I didn't know everything about the porn industry. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, these, these days. So Three years ago when I started working in porn, the only things that you really needed to save were like double penetration and gangbangs of double anal and that sort of stuff. Since then, just in the short amount of time that I've been in the business, like the first anal has become really valuable again. You know, the first, the first everything, you know, the first interracial and like the first everything has become really, really valuable again. So people are starting to wait on those again, but that's interesting. Like, I did, Is it because of the? I did. Go ahead. Sorry. I did anal for my second scene. So is it is it because people are specifically searching for first time experiences? Is that what the rationale is? Is that people want to see the first time someone does something? Yeah, I guess so. I guess the idea is like, oh, I've been watching this girl have sex in her vagina for so long i really like her i wish she would take it in the butt i'm willing to pay extra to watch her take it in the butt i guess is the rationale frankly to me i don't i don't want to watch somebody's first time their first time is not going to be very good yeah they're not going to experience and i can be able to relax and enjoy it sure right right but anyway it's it's a thing you decided okay i'm going to do it you first, you said you want to do a gangbang for your first one. Your manager talks you out of it. Yeah. And uh, so how does, first off, if you don't mind me asking, how uh, how does that work? Does a, a manager sets up all your shoots and says, hey, do you want to do this or, or this? Or do you, do you pick out what you're going to, I mean, how does that work? The whole scheduling and finding who you're, how does so finding work work? My, my agent really is in charge of my life. I I belong to him every single day unless I specifically ask for a day off. Is this a DS relationship of kinds? (laughs) Let me preface everything I'm about to say with that that I am with the best agent in the business. I wouldn't be with anybody else. If he decided to not represent me anymore, I would represent myself before I signed with another agency. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I love him. He's amazing. This is just, it's just how it works. Sure. So he, he knows what you're into or what you like. You have, do you have a conversation with him about what you're into that week or like, Hey, I'm really nah, interested in that. No, not really. It's, it's more like he, he knows what I won't do. Right. And, and then and otherwise, unless it's something weird, like like a gangbang or a blow bang or a double anal or something unusual, a company, a director or a producer will call him up, say, hey, I want Casey Calvert on this day for a boy girl. And Mark will go, she's available. And then I'm booked and I have a job. 
And like, so, so you get all, you get all the details. He emails you the details. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know, do you know who you're going to be doing this with the scene with at that time or? Yeah. Um, I would say 50% of the time I get the info a couple days to a week in advance. But if I don't do that, I get all of the info the day before. And that includes who I'm working with. And so at that point, do you do research on the person or what, how does that work? I mean, I mean, I guess if I was in your shoes, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd be like, Hey, you know what? I like to be surprised. I'm not going to do any research on the person. Or do you start Googling, look at other scenes and see, you know, you know, Oh, I have to watch out because this person is really into slapping. I don't know. You know, uh, do you do research on the person beforehand or? Uh, I used to, and I was new these days. I pretty much know everybody. Oh, okay. And so you know what you're getting into. Do you, uh, yeah. And I know what kind of scene it is as well. So if it's a romance scene or a rougher scene or, you know, and so if it's got dialogue in a story or what, it, what it is, if, if the pizza boy is going to be showing up and you don't have money. Yeah. You know, how do you, so how do you prepare like, mentally I, I guess i guess my question is is i'm sure you're like everybody else sometimes you're in the mood for one kind of sex and sometimes you're in the mood for a different kind of sex mm-hmm. um do you kind of psych yourself up for the type of scene it's going to be or how does that work yeah there's a mental process in it i really don't like when it's a surprise rough scene yeah. because i do need to get into that headspace because you know bottoming is something very intimate to me and so yeah. I need to get, you know, I need to get in that headspace. So like my agent knows, like, if it's going to be a rough scene, I need to know beforehand or I'm going to get cranky. Yeah, understandably. And so you go there the day of, do what, do you meet with the person beforehand? The the guy you're going to be shooting with, you meet with that person and do small talk or how does that? Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, we're all on set at the same time. I almost always get there first because makeup has to happen. And so, like, usually they have the girl show up, like, two hours before they have the guy show up. But, um, yeah, some, some small talk happens, you know, again, because I know everybody now is sort of, like, catching up. Is there a, is there a thing you remind, like, I, I mean, I'm just trying to think of it. Let's say, let's say you don't like hair pulling or face slapping if there's if there's a thing you yeah. is, is a limit oh yeah yeah we talk about that um for some for some scenes like for romance scenes it's really not an issue sure you know the only the only thing that we might discuss is like i don't do cream pies so if we're gonna do like a super romantic pop shot you know they'll come on my belly or something rather than inside of me sure but, you know, for those kind of scenes, if they went, if the guy went to do any hair pulling or slapping or whatever, I said that I don't want to happen. The director would yell at them. That, that's, you know, so they, they pretty much respect your, uh, your desires and want to make sure that you, they don't cross any boundaries. Oh, yeah. And the couple of guys who have not listened to me when I've told them to not do things, I won't work with them again. And I imagine word spreads too around, like you talk to your other friends in this. Oh, in the for community. sure, right. for sure. Uh, have you seen? There's a new HBO documentary called I think it's called Hot Girls Wanted. Have you seen that? Yes, it is Netflix, not HBO. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, That's okay. <laughs> I, you are I've you are my... interviewed number four today, by the way, and the first two were about Hot Girls Wanted. Oh, so. yeah, okay. So I, I won't I won't bore you too much about it then. Uh, but it sounds like your experiences. 
are very different from the experiences of the people in 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 that they documentary. They are yes. What um, do you think sets you apart? Well, what sets the community you're in uh, apart from the community that uh, they're in? In LA, there's this system of accountability that doesn't happen in Florida. Okay. In Florida, it's really just about paying the girls as little as you possibly can and making as much money off of them as you possibly can. And in LA, the relationships between the girls and the agents and the companies and the agents and the girls and the companies, it's just different. So what you're saying is, once again, Florida fucks things up for everyone else. Yes, especially right now. And this documentary, Florida is fucking things up for everything else. I mean, I lived in Florida. You know, that's where I grew up when yeah. I, I I could have started working in Florida when I wanted to do porn. Like once I made that decision, it would have been really easy for me to just drive down to Miami and start shooting. But by that point in time, I had heard plenty of stories about the reputation of what it's like shooting porn in Florida. And I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. I won't go into too many details, but I was on uh, I was on a a porn set in Florida once, mm-hmm. and um, and I've seen I, I have friends who are in the industry in L.A. and mm-hmm. uh, talking to them, uh, I, I was expecting something. When I showed up in Florida, when we when we were on the set, um, mm-hmm. it was a guy who it seemed like he just picked up a camera for the first time ever, mm-hmm. um, did not understand the 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 scene it was a kink scene did not understand this kink scene didn't understand the motivations behind it had didn't really give a shit right mm-hmm. and just seemed like you know like the, whoever owned the company walked down the street and just said hey do you have an hour yeah have you ever have you ever yeah. used a video camera have you ever heard of the word video camera okay come here you know it was incredibly unprofessional and just you know uh, slapdash, I think is the word. I don't know. Uh, is that yeah. just the general vibe of shooting in Florida, or yeah, just because it, it really is right? I wonder if that has to do with because uh, just Hollywood in general has you know you're you're in the Holly you're in Hollywood or around you're closer to Hollywood than Florida, so the professionalism that comes from that industry rubs off, so to speak, uh, a little bit more on the industry in the in LA I mean that's just a speculation I have no idea but that's that's definitely part of it at least in terms of technical skill Mm -hmm. within the crew a lot of people almost everybody is crossover yeah like all of the sound guys all of the lighting people they're all working in porn because they're not making enough money working in mainstream I don't want to I, I know I guarantee I mean I know this is like you said, it's your fourth interview today, and I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that interviewer. I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but I'd be remiss if I didn't. So, um, that's all right. <laughs> what do you do? What do you, so? Uh, how how do you get into? I mean, from, based on from from just talking to you, and you know, because this is uh, porn is a way for you to explore your fantasies. Uh, it is a way for you to enjoy sex, right? Um, yeah. How obviously, I'm guessing that you have done scenes that weren't that didn't you didn't get off, or maybe you didn't you know you you didn't enjoy it as as you would had hoped. Um, 
how do how do you process that or 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 do you are you able to get into a space a headspace oh look here's a semi-anonymous sex and you get off on that aspect of it or what is it that 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 does it for you when it's not ideal maybe you don't like the guy or who knows what it is is there is there something you do mentally to to a special headspace or how does how does that work frankly I am kind of broken when it comes to sex. For whatever reason, sex is really not something that's very intimate for me. Just like penis and vagina, mm-hmm. that's that's not really something very intimate. And so, you know, doing doing a scene that I'm not necessarily aroused during is no different than somebody sitting at their desk doing spreadsheets that don't particularly interest them. Sure, sure. You know, it's it's really it's really no different. I don't, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't porn that made me this way. Like I've been this way about sex forever. Well, then I guess maybe the the question is then is what is the spreadsheet that does interest you? What is it that when you, you when you find out about a scene or maybe there is you maybe you're in the scene where it's not work, where you're like, holy fuck, this is awesome. What, what what are the things that happen to get you in that space? So my answer for this a couple years ago would have been like any sort of BDSM scene, any sort of rough scene. That's not necessarily the case anymore because I've gotten, you know, I used to be like super uber power bottom, like, yeah, bring it, whatever you want. I'll bottom to anybody. And I'm just not that person anymore. Mm-hmm. And so not all rough scenes, you know, if I'm not, if I'm bottoming to someone who I don't feel like deserves my submission, I feel kind of iffy about it. It's gotten to the point now where I've told certain companies like kink.com, like, hey, I'm not comfortable bottoming for that person. And like, they totally get it. Right. But the but the vanilla companies that are shooting rough scenes because of Fifty Shades of Grey and all of yeah. that. Like, they don't understand, like, how can you not be comfortable? You're submissive. Like, I yeah. don't get it. Like, they just don't get it. But, you know, I don't know. It's really just like an energy and a feeling. And, you know, every once in a while, like, just the other day, I was really kind of dreading a scene. And it ended up being one of the hottest scenes I've done in a really long time. What was And what was the X factor? What changed it? What was the – was it just the energy I, with the person? Yeah. Yeah. It was some, it was with someone I've never worked with before. And she has a reputation that I don't necessarily approve of. And so I was worried because I was told it was going to be a rough scene. And I was like, okay, I'm not bottoming to her. The director's going to, you know, the director's going to come on set and he's going to tell me that I'm the bottom and it's going to be a fight. And he ended up wanting us to just switch throughout the entire scene. And our energy together was just fantastic. And like, I can't wait to work with her again. That's great. So it was, it was great. So when you're topping, do you, do you identify as a switch in your personal life or mostly just for film? Um, I don't know what I identify with, frankly. I mean, I guess I identify as a submissive who likes to service top. Sure, and that's respectable. So, yeah, you know, that happens topping, a lot. Yeah. Topping in my personal life is usually is an act of service. Right. As a bottom. Yeah, no, I can identify. I know. That. I've been there. I know that makes sense to you. Yeah, I've been there. I've done <laughs> that, you know. Uh, I still remember, uh, like, the first time 
uh, a woman asked me to spank her while we were having sex. And mm -hmm. uh, the first I couldn't do it. It was very much a, you know, it was more of a brush or a, it was, yeah. I know, it was more of a, a, a light rubbing, you know? And then yeah. when I got in the headspace later, when someone asked me to do that, I was able to do it because I was, okay, I'm doing this in service to get her off. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, I can, I can totally identify with that. Absolutely. Um, so, so, uh, when you're working and you're topping, are there things that, I mean, how do you, since you mostly identify as a submissive, and you're and you're working. How do you top? Do you top someone the way you want to be topped, or that is exactly what I do. <laughs> I got it right. Pretty, I got it yes. right. Pretty pretty early in my career, I bottomed for Bobby Starr, and she is a submissive. We actually Lou Rubens is her mentor as well. Okay. And I could see I could see a lot of him through her, and very very plainly she was topping me in a position of i wish our roles were reversed right now that's interesting and it was great and so that's what i do is i try to top exactly how i like to be topped which translates to like i'm not the kind of like yelly femdom yes. who, you know yells yells and screams and swats her hands a lot and all of that you know i've, I've turned into a very very sensual top and if if pain is involved in that, then pain is involved in that. But I'm not, I'm not yelling and screaming because I don't like yelling and screaming for the sake of making a video. Do it, you and me both. When yeah. uh, it was very difficult for me to find. I mean, when uh, I don't watch as much porn as I used to because I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not uh, singing because I'm living it. Right? And but uh, when I used to search for porn, it was always the same thing. It was always someone angry and worm calling someone worm and i just couldn't yeah. get off on that and uh and the problem with that is is there are a lot of people uh who identify as you know women who identify as dominance who think that they have to act that way mm -hmm. in order you know and it's not their fault it's just it's the same way like there's a lot of dominant women who get emails from guys who say oh i'm a lonely worm who can't they probably most of them don't yeah. feel that way they just think that's how they have to present themselves because that's how they've been yeah. you know um, so thank you. Thank you on behalf of all, uh, submissive guys who don't like the yelly for no reason femdom scene. So that's great. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if you're yell, if you're, if you're raising your voice for a particular reason, or if it's part of some sort of discipline scene or something where it makes sense, but just yelling for the sake of yelling really just irritates me like it's why it's why there's you know i can count on one hand the name of the names of women who i will bottom to now yeah wow just because it's just irritating to me like i don't i don't have time for that right sometimes silence is scarier right <laughs> yeah it's it's better the problem is it just doesn't necessarily translate to the camera like yelling and screaming sure. does, but also because people have been yelling and screaming for so long that's what people want to yeah. see. you know that's what the companies want now it's a whole feedback loop of awfulness do you think they want it because they think that's what people want i mean i obviously they might it must be getting i'm guessing they're getting some feedback or they're saying oh look company x is getting a lot of money because they have people screaming so we're gonna do it without trying the alternative right yeah yeah, in in porn, the safest thing, just like in Hollywood, the safest thing is something that's already been done before. Yeah. 
no one, no one wants to try anything new. Sometimes people try new things and it's exactly. Right, right. Um, well, but it, it's good that you don't feel bad talking about that and identifying that. And and it's good that you are willing to point out, look, I'm not into this. I won't to bottom for, a, you know, someone who just yells the whole time, right? Um, yeah, and, you know, I don't get a lot of work as a femdom because it's not my style. And frankly, I don't really care. Like, I, usually, usually they want someone with big tits and, you know, curvier and, you know, I'm not the look of a femdom anyway. I certainly don't sound like one or what people think one should sound like. You know, my, my voice is too young for what people want or what people, you know, what they think that people want, whatever. I don't care. So but you, you've actually co-produced uh, a documentary. Yes, I have. Uh, X-rated the greatest adult movies of all time. How did you get involved in that? Um, the honest answer is that my boyfriend is the director. Oh, well, there you go. That's good. Right. <laughs> and you know a guy. Uh, they, needed, they needed a producer and I was available. And also, also I went to film school. Well, so you've got the credit too. So it's not <laughs> yeah. like you're just, you're not just some schmo getting it, right? Um, so I haven't seen it yet. Is, is there, uh, where can people find it? Uh, I believe the only place right now people can find it is late night on Showtime. If you just look at the Showtime listings, their schedule, you'll be able to find it. Showtime, Showtime has a year of exclusivity. That, well, once that, you know, once that year's over, that sounds like a, you know, if you don't have Showtime, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to wait or get Showtime and, or call your local cable provider. Yes, call your call your local cable provider and ask for Showtime and tell them that they you don't want anything else bundled with it, but you just want Showtime. <laughs> the interesting. So here's what I find fascinating: is is, is uh, it's about uh, the most. I'm reading the quote here: the most important, impactful, and historically significant adult movies of the modern era. Now, of course, the first thing I think of is Deep Throat. Deep Throat uh, is is in the film yes and uh what debbie does dallas probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what what other ones are i mean can you kind of go through well what was special about debbie does dallas what was the we just you know the the thing about the golden age movies are that they all just had such a big impact right. on on culture you know people were going to theaters to watch these movies you know, I believe that Deep Throat is still one of the top 10 highest grossing movies of all time. Because of its low, low cost and high, high income or something? Yeah. 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 You know, Debbie, Debbie Does Dallas was the first one to really sort of take up, a, a, not a pop culture, but take a, take a, you know, something that was modern, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders right. and turn it into something adult. And, you know, people, people loved that. You know, some of some of my other favorites are Taboo, which no, I don't actually talk about Taboo. But <laughs> Taboo Taboo was you know, Taboo was real incest. I mean, it wasn't real incest. The people having sex weren't actually related. But Taboo wasn't the faux cest that people shoot today. Right. Where it's like this is you know you you have to establish like this is my step relative we're yeah. not blood related and you have to establish it over and over and over again you know this was a, a mom and a son having sex right 
And, and, and they got away with it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, they did. It wasn't, it, I mean, it, it was a thing, but it wasn't a, you know, no one, no one lost their job. No, no billers pulled out because there was incest, like right. what would happen today. Because it was sort of a given. Oh, obviously, obviously it's, it's an act. Obviously the pizza guy would need the payment after all, you know, the, uh, how? Yeah, I be- I believe that actually the son and the mom are are like five years apart in age or something that's not physically possible. <laughs> right, right. But you know, it's the magic of Parna. How did you? So how did you quantify that? Did you all just sit down and say, okay, we have to figure out uh, how these are significant? And, and how did you? How, that's got to be a very difficult list. It's like it's like the you know uh, in in the year in nineteen ninety nine, everyone was coming out with their top movies and top and, and yeah. you know. Uh, Rolling Stone had the top albums of all time. Well, you know you're going to put Sgt. Pepper in there. So Sgt. Pepper is the deep throat, you know, or yeah, and you know you're going to yeah. put Pet Sounds in there. And so how, how did you how did you get this list? How did you come up with that? So our list our list isn't ranked. We don't have a number one movie and a right. number two movie. We just present them by by era. Okay. And we started with like sixty movies, and we narrowed it down based on a bunch of factors, based on who we could get interviews for, you know, who, who was still alive, who could talk to us, to things like who would give us the rights to use their footage and whose footage whose footage was in was in good enough condition that we could up it to meet broadcast standards. Was there anything you definitely wanted that you couldn't get for one reason or another? There was a, a movie that you were like, oh, we have to have this, but you just either couldn't get the rights or you didn't have anyone to interview or how, is there something that was missing? There's definitely things that are missing. My expertise was much more in the modern movies and Bryn Pryor, our director, my boyfriend, and Paul Fishbein, the other executive producer, really had very, very strong opinions about which movies needed to be included. You know, they've both been in the business for 20 plus years and they've seen it grow and change. And they, you know, they got into fights about what, what (laughs) movies need to stay in. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm 25 (laughs) and I can watch them and appreciate them and understand the history of them. But I can't argue that one movie had, a bigger impact than another movie because I, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't there. Right. It's interesting. We're, we're doing now the, the greatest adult stars of all time. Oh, okay. That one is much more difficult to I'm narrow sure. down. There'll be a that lot one. of angry people who'll get left out of that one. Every, every interview, because you know, the, the people on the list are getting interviewed except for the ones who have passed away. Sure. But also we're interviewing a lot of new people. And, you know, we just have some fresh faces in the movie and, show, you know, Showtime likes to show, you know, because everyone on the list, you know, there's a lot of old farts on this list. <laughs> and, you know, Showtime, it is late night. It's still a late night documentary. Showtime with, like, some some fresh faces and some tits and, you know, all of that. So we're interviewing a lot of people who aren't on the list and every single interview it's is so and so on the list why not they should be on the list it's every it's every single interview how do how do well you should just say yes yes they're on the list yes <laughs> yeah everyone yeah. in the world is on the list my yeah. grandma's on the list everyone's on the list how do but how do you personally what what do you say is okay this person 
this person is really good at what they do. How, in, in your mind, what makes a good adult performer? Oh, goodness. That is a question. Um, I knew I'd get one good one in there. That, um, so it's, it's a dedication and a motivation to what you're doing. It's actually caring about your product and not just, oh, paycheck is great. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, there's a longevity factor. It's someone who's been around for a long time, someone who has a really good reputation. You know, for, for the movie, we're also including, like, the mainstream factor. You know, who's who's well-known not just for doing porn. I, I So I think one thing that probably I imagine is, is that someone who seems like they are really enjoying what they're doing. Yes. Yes. It, you have to, you have to actually care about it. You can, you, you know, people are like, Oh, I can't tell, but you can totally tell. Yeah. In my mind, if I'm watching a, in porn and I'm saying I, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I can tell very early on, this person does not want to be there. They have no desire for this. This is not, and it's uncomfortable to watch. And then there's other people like, yeah. whoa, they are really into each other. They really, this is really great. She really likes him. He really likes her or she really yeah. likes her. You can just kind of tell. And again, it could be totally bullshit in my mind. I mean, for me, I don't understand. I mean, maybe you can help me on this one. I'm, I'm sure it has something to do with me being submissive, uh, but I I do not understand the when you have the really rough uh like face fucking videos or mm -hmm. where where it looks like she's not she is just not enjoying this, right? She's just mm -hmm. not into this, right? Uh who's buying that? Who is who is who what type of person in and again, it could be just my submissive part that I'm sure maybe maybe everyone every guy who's dominant is listening right now saying, "Of course, you know, yeah. What is it? Is it so? You saying I don't like watching rough face fucking. Someone else can also say I don't like watching men get tied up. And uh, you know, it's really, it's really like to each their own thing. There are lots, a lot of my fans really love rough face fucking and let, gagging and let me let me rephrase and all of that. Let me rephrase that I have seen rough, rough face fucking where it appears that the woman is enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Right, that I can, I can, I can watch that. But there are ones where it is very clear that the woman is not, at least in my okay. mind, right. Uh, so, my, this is purely my opinion, and it could be totally off base, but just my, my pure opinion is that for some people, they still have so much shame surrounding watching porn and, you know, masturbation and all of that. And so when they're watching a video and the girl looks like she's not having fun, that makes it easier for them to watch that video. That hmm. it's that it that it, there's too there's too much cognitive dissonance between how they feel like a porn star should be and their own personal shame about being attracted to a porn star and then that porn star's performance if the girl's having fun, but when the girl looks miserable, they can go, oh, of course she's miserable. It's porn, and there's less emotional turmoil surrounding that masturbation, and that's easier for them. 
That was a grade A inception style answer. <laughs> you know, that's my own, you know, that's my own opinion. And I also don't think that that applies to everybody. I think there's just guys whose kink is, you know, face fucking and right. puking and, you know, whatever. And that's their thing. But I have found that those guys usually prefer when the girl likes it. Right, right. You know, you'd hope. Not always. Right. Not always. Sure. So I don't, you know, everyone's, everyone's thing is their own thing. Uh, but the, I'm drawing a blank on the I'm drawing a blank on the name of the documentary. There's a documentary that was done about uh, the guy who did insects. Yes. Oh, the name of the documentary is Oh God. Oh, what is it? Oh, what? It, I'm I'm looking it up because now I have to know. It's called it's called like graphic graphic sexual horror. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a scene in that where uh, the we'll just call him the asshole. The asshole slaps <laughs> slaps the girl's face when she said when she said that was a hard limit, right? Mm-hmm. You know this scene. I do. I have never been so uncomfortable in my life as watching that scene. That scene is wow. Just horrible, horrible, and I look down the, I look down the, the, you know, in the movie theater. I look down, and I, I'm just looking at other people's reactions. And some people are like, meh, and other people are like me. They're like, what the, yeah, fuck, you know. So I have a bunch of things to say. <laughs> number the number one thing is in terms of people's reactions. I think that if you're not a member of the community, you just don't understand the implication behind that. Yeah. Um, number two, I have some third-hand personal stories about the person who we're talking about, and I had an opinion about him before I watched this documentary. Number three is that there are very, very few people who my agent won't book with, and he is one of them. Ah, see, there you go. Um, and number number four is that it's super fucked up, and I would never ever even consider bottoming for him. I've worked I've worked for I've worked for Intersect, the new, you know, the new insects, but right. you know, it's it's not the same company that it was before, and in fact, I won't work for them anymore. So you know. Mm-hmm. And I know people who have worked with him, right? And say I and say too. good I, things, you know. And I know people who love him, right? And uh, I don't, you know, I, I people make mistakes. I can't, but I can't. I, you know, I again, this goes back to me. I can't watch a woman getting caned anyway. But to have mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, I don't know. So, all right. Well, I my blood pressure is up now, and I'm I'm angry. <laughs> so. Um, you wrote an interesting piece uh, recently about uh, condom use in scenes. Oh, yes. Uh, I, oh, man. You reacted like you've been asked this no. question a thousand times. You're like, oh, God. No, actually, Dummy, don't no ask me really that question. No, about it. I was, I was wondering which, what you were going to say, oh. and it just kind of came out because I feel like people preface, you wrote this recent piece, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was like three years ago, but okay. Well, this one was 2014. Yeah, this was like last summer, I think, was when yeah. I wrote that. Uh, why I don't want condoms, a porn performer's perspective. And, uh, the basic gist I got from you and you can expand on this is that it just, if you're doing a long scene, it, it starts to hurt a lot. Yes, it does. At least in my personal experience, I really don't like condoms for porn. 
is it uh, is it uh, is there other other aspects of it outside of just the sensation and uh, uh, is there anything else that factors into that or is it just well the fact that- there's the aspect of I really don't feel like the government should get to mandate that I have to wear a condom yeah you know who are, who are they to tell me that I have to wear a condom you know I, I think that that's unacceptable but in terms of practicality, there's a, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons. You know, it's uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable for the guy. It really, really interrupts the flow of shooting because you got to stop and change the condom a million times or else you're going to end up using a broken condom. And then what's the point? And, you know, depending on the wording of the law, you might just put the condom on your toe and that's it. You might, you know, maybe that's the solution. You're like, well, I'm technically wearing a condom on my big toe. Or on my yeah. head, you know. So well, I, I won't waste your time much longer. Um, <laughs> you're, fine. You're, you're very active online. You've got your own website, caseycalvert.com. And I do, yes. And um, I'm curious about Twitter. I have a few friends who are in the industry, and I have a lot of friends who are pro doms. Um, my wife is one. And mm-hmm. um, uh, something I've noticed is that uh, so my pro dom friends they will get uh, a lot of tweets from. You know, just guys just randomly, oh, mistress, I'm not worthy to follow you on Twitter, but if you permit, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, this type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, my, my friends who are adult performers, um, they get much more graphic and, you know, sometimes just downright creepy, creepy tweets, right? Um, yeah. is Do you find this to be, is, do you get this a lot? Is this something that happens to you quite a bit? Yeah, I do. I also think that the more you're willing to put out there, the less creepy you get. Like what do you so, mean? So like if you if you are like if if you post pictures of anal sex and you know super super graphic hardcore pictures, there's less fodder for people to come back at you with than if you're just, you know, posting sexy lingerie pictures. Because then you get a lot of people who your sexy lingerie picture made their dick hard, and now they're mad at you because they can't see more. Oh, I <laughs> that's I had no, I ne- never would have guessed that that was the. <laughs> um, but it seems like there's a lot who assume that because you're on Twitter and because mm-hmm. they've watched all your films that they they assume that you're they're friends with you. Oh yeah, there there are a lot of people who. Hey, I'll be in town next week. You want to? You want to hang out? Yeah. And then, and obviously, I'm sure you don't want to be, you don't sound like the person who wants to be a jerk. So how do you, do you just not respond or do you say, oh, damn it, I wish I could, but I have a thing all no, year. No, 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 that, that kind of, that kind of thing I ignore. I don't need to give them any false hope. But, you know, part of the problem is some girls really will go hang out with their fans. I mean, usually they charge them money for the privilege, <laughs> but... Right. You know, a fan tweets at them and says, hey, I'm going to be in town. They go, okay, you know, dinner with me costs this much. And, you know, the rest of the date costs this much. Oh, I never would have guessed. Yeah. And so they just assume that everybody is available for that sort of thing. So if someone is is following you, someone goes on Fet, uh, on Fet Life, I'm sorry, on, on Twitter, and, mm-hmm. uh, and they follow you. What is an appropriate way for a fan to contact you in a way that makes you happy that they're following you and also a way that is not going to creep them out or creep you out? I like my fans who entertain me. So I like the fans who are going to be funny and snarky and make me laugh and, you know, say, say things that are clever 
you know, I, I like that. I have quite a few fans who just, you know, they're funny and they're, you know, they're entertaining and they're plainly very smart and, you know, like that's cool. Like I'll respond to that all day. I love that. But you know, when someone just says like, hi, how are you? Like, I don't, I don't respond to that. Or if someone wants to meet me, I don't respond to that. You know, someone, when someone just comments on every picture and is like, oh, baby, I wish that was my dick inside of you. Yeah, I can. Oh, thank you. That's kind of you to say. It's like on FetLife, and this always happens. On FetLife, what will happen is, I've seen this, this happens with my my wife too. Like she'll post a picture of us playing or whatever, or or my friends. My friends would, will just put a photo of themselves up. Invariably, two things, two of the most, these are the two most common replies to photos on FetLife from guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish that was me. That's mm-hmm. the first one. That's the first one. And oh, I wish I did. I wish I lived in New York. Yeah. Because obviously, if you wish in New York, then that's it. That's the only thing standing in your way is just your location. Otherwise, you'd totally be, you know, head first yeah. into vagina. Uh, I definitely get that one a lot on FetLife. That one doesn't happen a lot on Twitter, but a lot on FetLife. Of oh yeah, I wish I wish I, you know even like even when I was living in Florida. Oh yeah, I wish I lived here. I get messages now from people who are living in Gainesville currently, you know, it's a, it's a college town. It's where the university of Florida is. So there's a really transient population. Right. And you know, the, the transient population is 18 to 25. Right. And so I get a lot of messages like, Oh man, I wish I was in college when you were in Gainesville. <laughs> and some of them are from people who are older than yeah. me and i was like oh i was in gainesville but i was 12 <laughs> yes <laughs> well <laughs> hopefully hopefully there are some uh people listening who they now know the proper way and i i just look you have a hundred and four thousand followers yes do. <laughs> i was i was uh so the masochist podcast i don't want you listen i'm not saying this to uh to make you feel bad this is not a competition <laughs> the Massacast is 600 and some fo- followers. Now, I want to say, not 600 some thousand. Yeah. But, um, uh, and I have an, uh, my private, my personal private one that I'm most active on is private. I don't have anything out there because, you know, that's from my blog that I, you know, anyway, that yeah. one has about 1,200. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't rest on your laurels here. I'm catching up. <laughs> Just you like, come and get me. <laughs> right. Thanks, Casey. You can uh, find her at CaseyCalvert.com. Uh, also, her Twitter link. You can find all that stuff on uh, Massacast website, Massacast.com. While you're there, feel free to shoot me an email. Add me as a friend on FetLife. It'd be great to say hi, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.